<laughs> Have you done all the uh, mic checks you need to do? I think so. I, I think that Melissa was was going to introduce everybody so that me and well, I can just uh, uh, who, yeah, uh, we'll have more formal introductions in, in a minute, but thanks for joining us. Um, Water for Food Conference is about to get underway today. Uh, President Milliken uh, from the University of Nebraska will lead up, and then we have Roberta Lenton, uh, Executive Director of the Water for Food Institute at the University of Nebraska, and then he will introduce our other two uh, speakers, Colin Chartra and Ruth Lanzendick. So, thank you. Um, welcome. Thanks for being here this morning. I'm delighted to uh, use this opportunity to kick off the fourth annual Global Water for Food uh, Conference. I just heard an updated figure this morning that we have over 530 people registered from more than 25 countries today. This is the biggest of our conferences so far, and I think it demonstrates an extreme level of interest in the issues that will be covered over the next few days. Uh, the global nature of this conference is important. Uh, the challenge that we face with using water efficiently to feed a growing population in the world is not a challenge that Nebraska, uh, the United States, or any other country can solve alone. Uh, we are delighted to uh, play a uh, critical role in this effort, uh, but it will take collaboration with the uh, best minds in the world and many of the organizations represented here today. I'm delighted that we are joined by uh, leaders from two of those organizations this morning at this pre-conference uh, press briefing. I'm also delighted that for the first time at this conference, uh, I'm uh, in a position to introduce the founding director of the Doherty Water for Food Institute, Dr. Roberto Lenton. Uh, Dr. Lenton arrived uh, on the scene in February. We're delighted to have him here. He brings uh, an extraordinary depth of international experience to the Institute, most recently chairing the World Bank's inspection panel. He helped establish and serve as the Director General of the International Water Management Institute, uh, which uh, this year uh, we're delighted has uh, been named the winner of the Stockholm uh, World Water uh, Prize. And we'll hear more about that over the next couple of days. I believe that the Doherty Institute under Roberto's leadership uh, is poised for uh, great things and uh, accelerated leadership in this, uh, this important and critical field. At this point, uh, I want to turn the program over to the Doherty Institute's founding director, Roberto Lenton, for brief comments and introduction of our guests, and then we'll have an opportunity for uh, some questions from all of you. Thank you. Well, thank you very much, uh, JB, and good morning. And thank you so much for coming to this uh, press conference this morning. Um, I am absolutely delighted to be at my first uh, Water for Food conference and my very first press conference associated with that. Um, and uh, as JB mentioned earlier, this has been a conference that has simply every year grown in stature in number of participants in the excitement surrounding uh, the issues that uh, we will be discussing. Um, it's a great pleasure for me to introduce uh, two of the other participants um, in this morning's press conference. On my left, uh, Dr. Colin uh, Charters, who is a uh 
a very eminent uh, Australian researcher in irrigation and water management issues. Um, he's the Director General of the International Water Management Institute. As President Millikan just said, uh, this year the, uh, the Institute um, received the Stockholm Water Prize, which is the, essentially the Nobel Prize uh, in the area of water. Um, and it's just an absolute privilege to have uh, Colin with us uh, on this occasion. The Institute also celebrated its 25th anniversary, I think it was about a year and a half ago. And uh, I think that is another very important uh, milestone. Um, on our right, we have uh, Dr. Ruth uh, Meisendick, uh, who is a senior research fellow at the International Food Policy Research Institute uh, in Washington. Uh, both the Food Policy Research Institute and the uh, Water Management Institutes are part of the what is called the CGIR network, the, uh, the network of agricultural research centers that come under the consultative group on international agricultural research. Um, so it's wonderful to have these two important institutions uh, represented uh, on this occasion. Um, and Ruth is someone I've known for a long time and a very distinguished uh, researcher, particularly on issues relating to policy uh, in water resources management. I think that's all I need to say by way of introduction. Let me, uh, I guess, turn it over to questions. And all of us, I think, uh, are willing to uh, respond. Would you like to say a, a couple of words, Colin? Good. Good. Yes. That's yeah. an excellent yeah. idea. Uh, Very good. Yeah. Say a couple yeah. of words. And <laughs> Thank you. Well, I, I was asked to say a couple of words about what I'm talking about uh, later, later this afternoon or after lunch. And essentially, uh, really what I'm talking about is water scarcity and how that will impact on food production at, at the global level. Uh, I, when I reflect on this, uh, when I was at university in the, in the UK and in my early part of my career, based in London in agricultural development uh, in the tropics, water wasn't really very much of a constraint on, on food production and development, but in the space of uh, 30 30 odd years, uh, we, we now see water as being one of the most critical constraints on, on food production. Why? Well, I think the simple answer is that uh, we've seen uh, populations grow very dramatically. Uh, in the 60s, we had the Green Revolution, uh, which tackled the problem of uh, food scarcity and uh, starvation at, the, at that time. Tremendous developments agronomically in irrigation. And we all just sat back on our, our laurels uh, over the, the succeeding uh, 20, 30, 40 years. Suddenly we're at the stage where population has just continued to grow. We're heading towards 9 billion. And uh, that's going to put tremendous pressure on, uh, on the world's ability to feed everybody. Don't forget there's already 1,000 people, uh, 1 billion people rather, who are uh, malnourished. Uh, that means they just don't get enough food to sustain uh, their everyday life in terms of their, their physical and, their, and also their mental needs. So how are we going to tackle this? Uh, there are a number of simple solutions, uh, but we need some concerted efforts both in the developed countries 
and in the developing world, trying to trans transfer knowledge from one to the other and from South countries to other South countries to really make sure we can sort of avoid uh, that billion people increasing and hopefully decrease it uh, to half that number or much less over the next 30 or 40 years. It's going to be a big challenge, but there are a number of solutions. So um, I think that just encapsulates uh, what I'll be talking about and I'll be happy to take any, any questions on that later. Thank you. It's a real pleasure and a privilege to be here. Um, it's really exciting to see this water center take off. And as somebody who's been working on water issues for about 30 years, it's not often you get to see an institute um, uh, really taking off here. What I'm going to be talking about is the role of institutions, not just, we don't need just technologies, but often we need um, institutions to, to really make the water work properly. Now, institutions sounds really obscure, but what I'm talking about is that whenever you have um, things that have a long-term time horizon, if people don't have either water rights or rights over the technology, they aren't going to have the incentives to make the investments that, that are being called for. And if people... Uh, have, if there are technologies or what we call externalities, things that affect more than one farm, then you need some kind of coordination. And so how do we make that happen? I'm going to be drawing a lot on lessons learned by a number of researchers, but most notably Eleanor Ostrom, who won the Nobel Prize in Economics a few years ago for her work on managing the commons. Because Really, at the crux of it, most water resources are commons. And you have lots of different people and, and government and other organizations that all have a stake in that water. How do we get them to come together to manage it? We have lessons from different parts of the world about that. I think Nebraska itself is an import, has important lessons for management, for example, of aquifers that would affect places like India where I grew up and where management of aquifers is a real serious challenge now. Um, so these are some of the issues that I'll be touching on in my, in my remarks. Thank you. Thank you. Um, any questions for uh, any of the three of the people you heard from? You're not allowed to ask any questions of me, so I'm just uh, steering traffic here. What's happened in the last year uh, in the realm of uh, you know, improving uh, the use of water for food production that uh, we should be aware of? Yes. In the last year, um, that's, uh, most of these developments uh, take over. It's, it's an interesting way that you phrase it in the last year because most of these developments in water and food really take... Uh, Take place over the longer over the longer haul, um, um, and it's only sometimes in retrospect that one recognizes the important uh, milestones that occur. Um, but just um, related to that is that this year the uh, natural resource districts here in Nebraska are, are um, celebrating their 40th anniversary, and we're going to be uh, honoring the that. 
development during the conference. Um, and that is, I think, uh, in some ways representative of what I was just saying. It's only in, in hindsight that you realize the fantastic step forward that was made that when those natural resource districts uh, were established. Um, so those are the kinds of things that I think one can, in hindsight, look back on. But most of the work that we're engaged in is sort of a a long slog <laughs> over many, many years rather than something that happens right away. Can I, yeah, I'll add to that, yeah. Maybe not over the, the last year, but I, I think there is a discernible trend happening uh, as we speak about how how we view uh, natural resources and in particular water. Uh, in the past we've tended to look at water as a, a separate uh, sector in its own right and then sort of uh, worried a little bit about how you manage it that, that way. But I, I think the trend that I see happening is that uh, we need to be looking at water very much in the, the value chain of uh, agricultural production. Uh, so looking at um, you know, where, where that resource comes from, how it's used on farm, how that can be improved in terms of water productivity, and uh, what are the sort of, as Ruth was saying, what are the institutional and le legal frameworks we need to help us improve its management, and then, then link it right through to the uh, the food production uh, facilities and, and the consumer, so that we look at that whole value chain and can look at for efficiencies there. Now, that's certainly... Uh, one thing that is really uh, gripping the attention of the, the private sector uh, at the moment, and um, I'm personally involved with a couple of companies sort of uh, helping them look at the, the resource in that, in that fashion. Uh, they are sort of, uh, in, in many areas, quite concerned about security of supply uh, for their own products, and secondly, about the, uh, the so-called externalities that Ruth mentioned in terms of uh, is production having an impact uh, on the environment in a, in a negative manner, and how can we deal with that? So I, I think that's the, the sort of quite exciting trend that, it, that is happening. But as Roberto said, it's, it's not going to happen like that. It's going to take... Um, it, these things happen in a sort of evolutionary manner. Want to add anything to that? Okay. Anyone else? For anybody up here, uh, what do you perceive as the biggest threat right now to water for Nebraska agriculture? <laughs> I maybe of the. Um, I'm new to Nebraska, but of the of the three, Colin and uh, Ruth and myself, perhaps I'm the one more indicated to uh, to uh, respond. But um, I, I do think that the point that Ruth touched on earlier, which is groundwater, is an issue that uh, is really very, very important for the state of Nebraska, um, uh, as well as for many other parts around the world. The, the good news is that, and I'll be talking about a little bit about this during the day, is that as a result of of good practices and innovations, um, the state of Nebraska has been able to, uh, for the most part, uh, keep its uh, groundwater from dropping. Um, and that is despite a very massive increase in irrigation over the last uh, decades. Um, and that is a huge achievement. If you look in other parts of the world where you have had similarly massive increases in investment, you've seen a very sharp uh, decline in the groundwater table. We were recently in India and there were many uh, concerns that were expressed exactly around that point. Um, and so I do think, I wouldn't characterize it as a threat, but if, if it's uh, if it's 
and it's 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 not a threat because there's been good management practices over the last several years that have managed to contain it. Do you, do you think there will be more regulations of agricultural use in the future? Well, as we um, as we go over time, I think we're going to have um, increasing stress levels. There's no question about it, and the and the way that one uh, addresses uh, the the issue of uh, avoiding groundwater decline is in part regulations, but also encouraging farmers themselves um, out of their own self-interest to uh, employ less water. Um, and one of the things that the University of Nebraska is doing is exactly that, working with farmers to find ways to reduce the amount of water applied to crops because there is a very strong motivation uh, in reducing energy costs. Um, so part of, part of the answer is regulation to avoid uh, you know, new irrigation development in areas where there is insufficient water. But the other part is encouraging more efficient practices. Yep. I think that as a, as a general point, um, one, of the, uh, one of the goals of the Institute is increasing the level of education about the role of water in agriculture. Uh, not just at the university level and with researchers like those here, but um, making it uh, more a part of the understanding of um, even K-12 students as they come through our school system. It's, to me, part of, of preparing the next generation of policymakers who are going to deal with difficult issues uh, to increase the level of understanding of the science. Uh, and the importance of this of this resource and the use of it. So, um, for me personally, that's one of the goals of the institute is providing uh, uh, a kind of nexus for increasing the knowledge level and familiarity and education of uh, a resource that's so important in Nebraska and elsewhere. The institute has signed some uh, some agreements with the institutions. I as I understand, in other countries. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, are you going to be here for my welcome? I'm going to talk about it in more detail there, and if I do it now, then maybe you won't come, and that would be a disappointment <laughs> to me. <laughs> but over the past year, uh, we have uh, uh, signed a, a number of important agreements. Beginning uh, a year ago at this uh, conference um, with uh, UNESCO IAG Delft, uh, and uh, I'm going to say a few words about an update on the work that's been done. Um, I think there are 19 students uh, from Delft that are here for this conference as part of that uh, program, spending some time in Nebraska uh, and learning more about water use here and, and agriculture here. So uh, I think that maybe you'll have a chance to, to interview some of them, but I think that's an important development out of this, the first of these agreements. Anything else? Well, thank you. Um, I hope you will have a chance to stay for the, the, all of the conference. There are some great uh, panels, some great speakers, um, and uh, have an opportunity. In fact, many of the experts who are here um, are not speaking or not on panels, but are here um, to, uh, uh, to, to, to be with their colleagues and to uh, learn more about the issues being discussed. So there's a, a great wealth of, of talent here that uh, we're fortunate to have, and I hope you take advantage of it. Thanks for being with us. We're going to start at 10 a.m., right? Thank you.